0: 22 minutes after the hour, America, Dean Matt Spaulding of Hillsdale College joins me. All things Hillsdale are at hillsdale.edu. He got big-footed by the National Security Advisor, Ambassador O'Brien. You know, Dr. Spaulding, that's a good thing, because if you'd said no, he might have had a drone get you. I'm not sure you ever want to tell him no. <laughs>
1: you don't say no to the DNI.
0: Uh, so, uh, I'm good. Uh, what did you make of last night, Matt Spaulding?
1: I thought it was uh, almost a normal kind of debate. <laughs> uh, but but having said that, I, I think that uh, the vice president made some interesting things.
0: Uh, such as?
1: Uh, well, he, he, I think probably the biggest thing was at the end when he talked about energy and talked about oil. And there goes fracking. And he's going to talk to Texas and Pennsylvania and Oklahoma. And I thought that was pretty amazing.
0: You know, before the debate on NBC, I said to Lester Holt and Savannah Guthrie, the president has to talk to Pennsylvania and Wisconsin, Pennsylvania and Wisconsin, Pennsylvania and Wisconsin. Do you think he did that effectively?
1: Well, I I think that discussion about energy especially did that. You know, I think the other big theme here was the extent to which I, I was struck by how much the president was running as an outsider against Joe Biden, who had been in Washington for 47 years. Uh, that I, I thought was a concerted effort. He brought came back to that several times. Uh, Joe Biden, you're an insider who got nothing done. That that came up under energy. It came up under immigration. It came up under um, uh, cr- criminal reform.
0: It, it, you just hit the big three. That's exactly. I'm getting some uh, some feedback, friends. Uh, we, you know we've been up forever here, Matt. So excuse us, uh, Matt Spaulding. I was disappointed that they did not talk about Justice, soon-to-be Justice Barrett. Uh, It is. I thought Kristen Walker did a great job, but there is one part of the question set which was missing is we're about to have a major change on the Supreme Court. And we have Joe Biden proposing what is to me a threat to the rule of law, a commission to consider Article three. What's your reaction to that proposal and to the absence of a discussion of it in the debate?
1: No, I, I, I thought the biggest missing piece in this whole debate was was precisely that. Not only are you adding a Supreme Court justice, which has been a, a, a big discussion, but the question of court packing has come up many times, uh, the other debate and, and, and his other discussions. And then right before the, the debate, he announced this idea of a commission. Uh, that's a major issue, major issue that is a clear distinction between the two parties and starts mucking around with uh, the, the one branch of the, of the government, the judiciary, and it doesn't even come up. So I was I was actually quite taken aback by that not coming up. Uh, because that needs to be delved into some more. What What is he up to? What's going on here? I think there's something more afoot that uh, people need to know about.
0: Uh, my impression was that is a uh, camel in a tent situation. Uh, I don't care who he names to that. That is a bad idea. That is a constitutional convention in disguise with the absolute ability to do exactly what the Constitutional Convention did, which is surprise the country with a set of proposals that can then get put to the country without invoking Article Five. Are you worried about that, or is that uh, crazy on my well, part?
1: Well, no, 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 it's, it's not crazy. I, I would put it a little differently, however. Um, you know, everybody's been talking about FDR and court-packing 1936. Um, I've been going back and looking at that, and Joe Biden is following FDR's playbook. To the point, during the 36 election, FDR refused to talk about it. Uh, but he also said that he didn't like court packing. But he set up a, a secret commission within his administration, led by his attorney general, to come up with ideas about how to get around the court. They didn't eventually. Go, uh, they didn't initially go with court packing. They thought about amending the Constitution. They thought about court stripping. They had other plans, and FDR eventually chooses court packing. Because he was impatient and he couldn't wait long enough. He wanted it done immediately. So I think Biden's following that strategy exactly. Remember, FDR didn't talk about court packing. He didn't come up until after he was reelected several months into his administration, in this case, over 180 days. Um, he decided he presented his plan. It was a disaster. But the strategy for setting up is exactly what Joe Biden is doing.
0: We now, Matt Spalding, he had 73 senators in 1937. 73, three were progressives from the Midwest, so they weren't officially Democrats, and it got rejected by a 70 to 20 vote. Does does that bulwark still hold? We have 30 seconds of the break.
1: That well, that's that's the question. I think that there are a lot of these senators uh, who are running elections who are taking positions that question whether they've got a strong majority. But I don't have as much faith in Democratic Party today at all to stop it.
0: I'll be right back with Dean Matt Spaulding of the Hillsdale in Washington program. Go nowhere, America. It's the Hillsdale Dialogue, except Hillsdale.edu. Stay tuned. Welcome back, America. Hugh Hewitt joined by Dean Matt Spaulding, the leader of Hillsdale in D.C. He and I watched the same debate last night. We took away many of the same conclusions. Dean Spaulding, if I can play for you a minute and a half. Uh, of uh, the conversation with Ambassador O'Brien that preceded you. The Federalist Papers come up. I'd like your opinion on this. Here is that minute and a half. Matt, what I asked the uh, Ambassador was whether or not the extraordinary... Oh, okay, now we have it. Go ahead. It's just one of those days. Matt, you ever have one of those days when... <laughs> he wrote when everything... is ...the paramount characteristic of a successful nation. Some people throughout history... I'm not comparing Donald Trump to anyone in particular. But some individuals have been possessed of this extraordinary energy level, which always overawes me because I'm actually an eight-hour sleep guy plus a nap. I do not get it. Did, was that on display again last night after the debate? I mean, does this guy
1: ever slow down? You know, he's got energy that that is unbelievable. The, the president's twenty years older than me and has uh, has far more energy than I do. I mean, I can't tell you how many mornings he's called me at six in the morning uh, for the first call and the last call has been uh, the situation ringing through to my home at uh, at midnight yep. or eleven thirty in the evening.
0: Any news we should be looking for today Mr. Ambassador?
1: Well why, why don't you watch uh, what's happening later today these, these deals in the Middle East are very tough and they're never done until they're done until they're signed but uh, I wouldn't be surprised if today we went, might even have another country join the Abraham Accords. The president's been working very hard was working hard late last night and uh, we, we, uh, we after a- the a- debate a- watch your TV after the debate after the debate he was signing documents and working the phones.
0: that's amazing ambassador Robert O'Brien thank so you Matt Spaulding I quoted to him federalist 70 energy in the executive the right. paramount characteristic of a successful government um, did you see that on display last night are you amazed to find out he was working on Air Force One afterwards and that we've got something <laughs> like, happening at 1130 today
1: it, 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 it is amazing, but on the other hand, I'm not at all surprised. I think that actually is a great observation, and it's a uh, just a, a comparison of, of the two. Uh, really, Trump represents energy in the executive. Now, some people might think it's too much energy this way or that way, but this is a man who's who's full-on engaged in actively doing everything and all the business of the American government. That's, I think, what, what Hamilton meant by energy in the executive, the, the notion of a unitary decisive leader at the top of this this administration which has its hands into all sorts of things yeah would you expand on
0: that matt Matt? you are an expert on the federalist papers as is your colleague dr larry arn and by the way there's a great series on the founding at hillsdale.edu if people want to go and watch it energy in the executive what was he talking about because it doesn't mean like uh, you know power drinks it means a certain quality of government
1: no, that's right. Remember, the, the, the debate at the time of the founding was how do we have a legislative branch which deliberates and does things appropriate for legislation, which means the judiciary is not the legislative branch, by the way. Um, but we, we need to add to that an energetic object, uh, executive and have these three branches of government. And, and the executive is not merely someone who sits around and execute whatever the legislature wants to do. They are actually leaders of, of the nation. Uh, it's it to be it's to be unitary. It's to have sufficient duration. Uh, it's supposed to have uh, it's supposed to be independent, and it's supposed to, be, to carry out its constitutional uh, responsibilities by using things like uh, uh, you know the proper orders over the, uh, overseeing the military, overseeing their administration, running their cabinet. Uh, in, in this sense, you know, Trump, the businessman, who kind of knows how to execute things, is a good model for an energetic executive they're supposed to be active they're supposed to be engaged across the board they're they're any any one moment are involved in these things remember there's only one branch of government in which the duties and responsibilities of that branch are vested in one particular person and that's the american presidency under the constitution it's republicanized but it's it's just defined by energy
0: Now, that brings us back around to the judiciary and why it is such a terrible idea to have a commission to investigate what was called in the Federalist Papers the least dangerous branch, the courts, because a a judiciary energized by a presidential commission and legislated by majorities in both the House and the Senate could go from being the least dangerous branch to the most dangerous branch, Dr. Spaulding. Can you expand on why that might be the case? Well, I... mean. First of all, we
1: all know that the Supreme Court already does a lot of legislating. already We already have pre existing challenges with the Supreme Court, and there's been a large move to try to get back to its lawmaking functions by emphasizing things like originalism. Changing the, the makeup of the court, changing how it fundamentally operates, making it a political institution, uh, I think would completely destroy that. Now, what, one thing I want to remind us here is. You know, we're, we're talking about what Joe Biden is saying in this right now. The Democratic platform talks about fundamental structural reform of the courts. There's legislation on the Hill that would automatically expand the court. Um, the, the, the Democratic Party and its platform has endorsed uh, adding 65 district court uh, judges. Uh, there are all sorts of things going on here. The, the objective here is not merely adding members to the Supreme Court, although that's the nub of it, the objective here is cha- fundamentally changing the way the court operates, changing its philosophy, and actively applying partisan opinions to the court. Um, that destroys independence, destroys the purpose of the courts in the first place. is to be outside of the political branches, judging the political branches in light of the Constitution. The problem is that modern liberalism wants to get around that. That is a problem. It was a problem for FDR and the New Deal. It's going to be a problem now. And I think I think he, the problem that Joe Biden faces, even though he said he doesn't like court packing, he said that in the past, the problem is that his base, including his vice president and a lot of his senators, are going to be impatient. They want that court changed now immediately because they expect challenges to come up against things like the Green New Deal or other pieces, major pieces of legislation they want to pass. So They've got a real political dilemma, but this is a partisan issue. Don't now, cool Dean, Dean Spaulding, so that, I want so you to put... This is merely reform, but this is a partisan question.
0: I want you to put your big brain to work on a, on a question that I have. It is a very easy case to be made that making the District of Columbia a state is unconstitutional because of the 23rd Amendment, because of the obvious intent that the federal right. city not be a state in the in the framing. That's easy. We can win that argument. I believe a court would strike down statehood for D.C., What's not easy but which I still think we have to examine is whether or not the 14th Amendment's addition to the, to the Constitution in 1868 and the subsequent amendment of the Judiciary Act of, of 1869 did not put into place a most maiorum, a higher law that the court could not be disturbed from nine. In other words, whether or not the due process clause of the 14th Amendment acting in concert with the judiciary number of the following year hasn't anchored the court at nine absent a constitutional amendment that was clearly not the case prior to the 14th amendment they changed it in fact after the 14th amendment which makes it a little bit more difficult to argue but i do believe there is a there is a very valid proposition to put forward that that sort of change after 150 years and after the 14th amendment is not consistent with our fundamental approach to governing what do you think
1: uh, i I think in a broad way I, I, I see darn, I agree with you uh, whether it's technically unconstitutional I probably I'll think of that more but probably be a little dubious in, in the following for the following reason which is that it was clearly intended for the legislative branch to control those numbers that's clear um, and it's allowed to, to 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 make adjustments and by restricting the legislative branch, Working with the executive signing legislation, saying that it's constitutional is essentially one branch. In this case, the courts, uh, uh, technically telling the legislative branch and the, and the executive branch that they can't do something they're allowed to do in the Constitution. But, but your general point, your general point, which is that if you change the makeup of the courts in order to bring about outcomes, that I think is broadly unconstitutional it, it, it um, is and political this is a question it's a political question
0: well i don't know that it is because uh, this is my argument we'll have to talk about this and 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 perhaps we'll have a, a study session on this when the 14th amendment guarantees due process of law and applies it to the states it requires every organ of government to conform to the rule of uh, of reliance uh which is long uh known in the common law and contract law and property law if you rely on something Well, we've had 150 years relying on a court system that has organically developed over time its own common law and to suddenly shatter it to change it to take an axe to the root is to threaten everybody's fundamental liberty and the fundamental rights protected by the 14th amendment include the right to depend on everything that's gone before us as a nation and that's both stare decisis and the way that's why i think what they're proposing is so radical that it does it, indeed it, offend it, every, it, uh, it, our it, ideas it, of
1: law. It's definitely radical, but that's the same argument that we turned around and defend precedents that we don't like either. Uh, this is, it, it's going to come back to it being a political question, which means it's got to be appealed in elections. And wh- I think one of Biden's key problems here is he's not campaigning on this. This is one of the reasons why, after it lost in 1936, it was not a campaign issue, so he had no mandate. That, oh, that's that, important. Doing, uh, expand on that, Dean. Expand than, on that. This is He's doing it behind the scenes. This is exactly what FDR did. He doesn't want to talk about it. He's hinting around the edges. I don't like this. He's going to defer to others. The experts are going to make recommendations. He has no political mandate. So when you're raising the legitimate question about the broader constitutionality of this without buy-in by the American people, especially through the electoral process, Biden does not have that at all. Polls tell us that, but he's not campaigned about it. He's not answered when he's been asked direct questions. That I find to be extremely problematic, especially when it's in the Democratic platform. There's uh, at least one piece of legislation uh, on the Hill right now that, uh sponsored by uh, Representative Kennedy who would add two members of the court. For Every president gets to add two. And whenever it gets over nine, anybody who's of a certain, uh, who's been on the bench the longest, becomes a senior judge. It's a very clever way, but it's it's a it's a court packing plan.
0: When we come back from break, we're going to talk about this idea of radical innovation in sheep's clothing it's still a wolf it's it's a wolf and they're not even talking about it that's a, the only disappointment about these debates they did not talk about the fundamental threat to our liberty stand by dean matt spaulding welcome back america it's you at the hillsdale dialogue underway with dean matt spaulding who leads hillsdale in dc you can find everything about hillsdale at hillsdale.edu including an application both to the undergraduate college in michigan and the washington dc graduate program Matt, I wanted to ask you, how goes the graduate program in its second year in the era of COVID?
1: Oh, no, it, it, it is growing, going well. We're in person. We've got people in the, on the Hill, administration think tanks, So we're, we're, and we're growing rapidly, uh, and we've got scholarship in place, so we are looking for great people to apply. So we are full, full steam ahead.
0: There is never a time that is more interesting to be in D.C. than in the last 10 days of a campaign. Your thoughts as we go down to the wire to pick, as we always do in the quadrennial exercise of freedom, a leader. What are you thinking about the choice before the American people right now?
1: Well, I mean, I mean, I mean look, I think the, um, uh, this is a much broader choice, and people need to step back and, and think about that. You know, going back to our discussion about the, the, this court-packing question, I'm actually reminded of the election of 1800. Uh, the, the the movement here is potentially is uh, of, of a president who who comes in, who looks, wants to be coming in, hoping to have a control of the legislative branch. And they have in their sights uh, the judicial branch. That's exactly what Jefferson was doing in 1800. And they came in and they impeached judges. They were impeaching judges, trying to change the opinions of the court. And it took a John Marshall... To use the court to defend the Constitution, and I think that's the point at which we are at here. This is a large, larger discussion about the status of the Constitution in our country, and these institutions, and we need to be aware of that and, and alive to that. And I think our discussion here about what is and is, is not being discussed on this on this court packing deal is is a perfect example for that. The the the, 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 the liberal progressive wing of the Democratic Party very much wants to transform the constitutional institutions. And right now, lo and behold, the courts, the courts stand in their way if they assume they have the executive and the legislative branches. Um, We need to be very much alive to that because that is, you know, there have been a lot of changes in our country. There are a lot of policies, but that's a fundamental change of great magnitude that we need to be extremely wary of because that would undermine the, uh, the, uh, the possibility of recovering constitutionalism if, the, if that, that branch becomes merely another political branch.
0: Yeah, you know, uh, Matt, I was, um, I was at Monticello last weekend. I don't know the last time you went. It's been 35 years since I went. And I had forgotten that the first bust you see on the left is that of Hamilton. And the three great Enlightenment figures that he calls his trio of greats Montesquieu, Locke, and Bacon are there over the key part in the portrait room. You know, Jefferson's whole home is a salute to people reasoning. And I, I don't believe the Biden campaign is reasoning with people. I think they are playing for power. And I think that's
1: profoundly dangerous. No, I, I think that's right. And at the end, and that's exactly what was going on in 1936 with, uh, with, with FDR's court plans as well. You know, they, you, you want to have all power. You want to consolidate power. Uh, And right now, the American presidency is very powerful. It's gotten more powerful because the legislative branch has delegated a lot of power to it. Uh, But yet that doesn't seem to be enough. So you want to have a united executive branch and a a legislative branch. And now they're talking about fundamentally changing the courts because I think the courts might be in the way. This is a power move. This is not a mere difference of opinion about policy. This is not... Uh, a, a mere change between, between uh, political parties, uh, that's the kind of discussion I think we, we really need to be having. And that's why the, the fact that that didn't come up, not only did the court packing not come up, but this larger question about American institutions and the status of the institutions and the relationship with the branch of the Constitution itself, none of that came up. We've got to keep that in mind as you're thinking through these questions. And thinking there there
0: and, was an and, echo and, of it, Matt, in the open up debate versus down debate. Uh, you know, if I, if I could translate Trump for the country, he was saying, hey, this is a free country. We're not changing. We're going to deal with the virus, but we are a free country. Did you hear an echo of that?
1: No, there, there's an echo in it, and, and uh, that echo comes up. And he's given some great speeches on this. I don't deny that at all. Uh, but we need to be able to see through the, the – um, especially those people who maybe don't like the particulars or are turned off by his methods and the fact that he says what he wants to say. You've got to look beyond that and see the larger thing going on here. He talked about that. He also talked about the economy, and I thought a, a very practical way, which is we need to protect our economy, which is the, the way most people survive in this world but also flourish. Um, there's a there's a bit of that as that, that came out as well and but I'd like to see more of that thought about in, in in this this kind of discussion. Those are the kinds of national questions that elections are supposed to be ab- about. I'm just struck by how much this conversation, this debate, has been conducted with. I mean, the, talk about a front porch campaign, <laughs> you know, a, a a bunker campaign or a basement campaign. We're not having the, the, the large debate I think we should be having, uh, especially when it comes to these larger, more fundamental things. I think that needs to come out more. I wish it would come out more. It's there.
0: I think it's in the vote, man. you, you vote. look for it. I think it's in the vote. I think, as as our friend Larry Aaron says, fundamental things are afoot. I think the electorate yep. knows it, even if it's not being discussed. And I think a lot of that has to do with Hillsdale.edu. And if you sense fundamental things are afoot, go get smart at hillsdale.edu. Matt Spaulding, dean of Hillsdale in D.C., always a pleasure to talk to you. Great constitutional theorist. I'll be back Monday. Thank you, Dwayne. Thank you, Adam. Thank you, Harley and
1: Ben. We've done yeoman's work here for the last two days, and we need our rest.